0: The Gospel reading today is from John, in the sixth chapter. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat, So Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There are some perfectly accurate, precise, Right words that are just not right. Words that do not in any way qualify as expletives, but for the sake of common human decency should be deleted, omitted, not used in regular discourse. Most of these words, it turns out, have to do with the body, which is probably why we don't like you. I had a seminary professor who, with her husband and young child, lived in one of the residence halls at Duke. He was the resident advisor. She told us that her daughter would at times go out in the halls without any clothes on, and she would try to tell this four-year-old daughter, that is inappropriate, you can't do that. She said she had done as the experts tell us to do. She had taught her child all the proper terminology for her body. And so one time when she told her child she needed to put on her clothes and come back in, the child protested, but mama, I'm proud of my... That four-year-old used the right term, one I'm not comfortable using in public. I thought about that this week when the staff told me that they didn't like the term flesh as used as our sermon title today. It's just gross, one of them said. To which I replied, that's the point, flesh. It's not a nice sounding word. It doesn't engender pleasant images for us. We don't look at paintings of sweet Jesus and think flesh. It's a crude word. It's made all the more troubling when Jesus tells his audience that they must eat his flesh, which one scholar pointed out is not even graphic enough. In John's Gospel, the word for eating has changed throughout chapter 6. And by this point, the word that Jesus uses for eat is more like dig in. He's saying something like, unless you tear into me, unless you take my flesh as though your life depends on it, you have no life in you. There are good reasons that in our communion liturgy we use the language from the other gospels and from first corinthians not john we talk a bit more politely about body and blood we talk about bread and cup as a reason i tell our youngest communicants that this is god's gift given for you i certainly don't use the word flesh I don't want them to say yuck and refuse this gift that's been given to them, those literal-minded young people. But sometimes our politeness is just too subtle, too gentle, too unreal. Our faith is built on the Word that became flesh and lived among us. The Word that has shown us the Father's glory The glory is of Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. Jesus is neither made in our image, nor God so removed from us as to be unhelpful for us. This is a God who became flesh. That earthy word, that common element to us all. This is a God who knows what it is like to be you and me. I had the window down as I was driving yesterday morning, and I passed a man on his bicycle. He had long, dirty hair. We were probably not any closer than 15 feet to one another, and I could smell him. And I thought, how we've sanitized Jesus so much that that man might have a hard time believing that Jesus knew what it was like for his flesh and his hair to smell badly, for His feet to need to be washed, and for His body to ache. We've done a disservice to any person we've convinced that Jesus was too clean for them to relate to or to relate to Him. I'm ten years older than Jesus was when He was crucified. I sometimes wonder what Jesus would have been like as an elder, I'm probably going to wonder that more as I get older. Can you imagine a gray-haired Jesus at the retirement home? Friday as I was leaving the grocery store, a survey taker stopped me. She asked a few questions, some demographic questions, including my age range. The overly generous and ridiculously tactful young lady asked if I was between 25 and 35. Do you see my hair? I said to her. She said, Well, people are dying their hair gray now. It's in style. I said, This is not a fashion statement. I've earned these gray hairs. It's part of being human, of having flesh. Jesus took on our flesh, lived among Full of grace and truth so that we won't miss the fact that He was one of us. Capable of understanding us at whatever point in life. In whatever human situation. And since He's the one, as we say in our creeds, who will judge the quick and the dead. We want Him to know our lives. To understand us where we are. How much better... For us to be judged by someone who has a sense of what it's like to be like us. When you've been tempted, when you've hungered, when you've grieved, when you've known people that you count as friends who others count as sinners, when you've suffered, when you've been poor, you have empathy. And compassion and grace that you may not be able to have were you not those things. Since Jesus is our judge, I am grateful that he has been those things and more. That he's been in our flesh. Flesh. That word that we'd like to substitute with something more polite is in fact a reminder that Jesus was human. Human. Eating his flesh, that image we'd like to replace with some other euphemism, is in fact a way of our recognizing that we need something more than food from this world. Taking him into us as though our lives depend upon it is a sign that we recognize our lives depend upon him. You can go through life eating enough food to keep your body sustained drinking enough water to be hydrated, moving enough to stay somewhat fit, working and entertaining yourself enough to pass through the days. But that is not the living that Jesus wants for you. And it is certainly not what He meant by those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have, present tense, have eternal life. There are times in the Bible when Eternal life is talking about a future state, a a heavenly period. In this part of John, what he is telling us is that we don't have to wait. You, right now, in your flesh, in this life, can have eternal life. What he called at another time, abundant life. Eternal life, abundant life, is more than just eating food to make it through the day. It is more than just drinking water so that you are hydrated. It is more than passing time. It is a life that reflects God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. Some children and teachers and staff and administrators have already begun school and the rest will this week. They can Wake up each morning aggravated that the alarm clock went off again. Frustrated that they have to go to a school building with those people and be forced to hear those things. And they can endure the year that way. Or, they can determine that they're going to be at school anyway. So maybe they could use their days to improve their lives. Improve the lives of those around them. How can they make the most of the days that they are living? What about you, who may not be part of the school system? What can you do when you get your flesh out of bed tomorrow morning to make the world a little bit better? Something good. Something that reflects that the kingdom of God is having its way with you. Something that looks like eternal life has already taken hold of you. How might you take Jesus into your life as though your life depends upon it? In such a way that others can tell your life depends upon it. It might be what you say. Or perhaps more compelling, it might be what you do and how you do it. Which just might lead to an opportunity to tell someone else why it is you do what you do and how you do it. That flesh is helping you become what you are becoming. That Word made flesh. Who is not afraid to get into our lives wherever they are, whatever they are like. Our God was not too polite to enter into our flesh. Let's not be so polite. That we don't give him our life